0: So we ask, Lord, that this word would dwell in us richly. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to get right into it this morning. There is no freedom outside of Christ. There's no freedom outside of Christ. None. And there's no experience of freedom apart from Him. There is no freedom outside of Christ, and there is no experience of freedom uh, separate from, apart from Him. Now, typically people say, I want to be free from this, that, or the other, and they look to what? The number one candidate is they look to money, or they look to social affirmation. They look to, you know, likes on social media or shares or whatever. They look to experiences. I've got this collection of experiences. I've aged and I've grown wise, and so I, I, I look to these things for freedom but no amount of money we know this we all know this no amount of money no amount of social affirmation no number of experiences education wisdom whatever it is can convince you that you are loved can really convince you that you're loved it can't convince you that you have enough the people who want more more than anybody else are the people that have it can't convince you you have enough and it can't convince you that you matter the things that we look to for freedoms can free us up from some other things but they can't set us free. And so what Jesus says in John 8:36 he says if the son sets you free he wants to be clear about this you are free indeed at the level at the level to which money cannot set you free. The level to which the law of Moses cannot set you free. The the level that all these things that we look to for freedom cannot set you free. And so here Jesus assures us that those freedoms, the freedom of love, the freedom of, of having enough, the freedom of being important to Him, and many, many more freedoms are something that, as Paul says here in Galatians 5, that we can stand firm upon. For freedom Christ has set you free, stand firm therefore. We're going to talk this morning about freedom. Here's the big idea. This is the title of the sermon. This is the big idea. You must be free. This is what Paul is saying in Galatians 5 1. For freedom, Christ has set you free. You can almost feel him shaking the Galatians. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore. You must be free. You must live free. Let me explain where freedom sits in the book of Galatians because this is an important thing that I haven't really given honor and credence to in my life in, I think, an appropriate way. And I'm just on the front edge of even beginning to understand this more fully. But in Galatians, Galatians is six chapters long. So in Galatians 1 to 3, it's all about the gospel. It's all about who Jesus is and what he did for us. And the gospel is facts. The gospel is events. The gospel is truths. Things that happen outside of us that are done for us and to us. And then the last part of Galatians, Galatians 5 and 6, is all about love. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is, uh, what does he say here at the beginning of chapter 5, verse 6? He says, uh, In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. The fruit of the Spirit is love nothing matters but the beautiful new creation thing so so the book of galatians begins with what has happened outside of us what is done for us and given to us and then the book of galatians ends with what what now happens from us what happens what has been given to us and now is given through us but there's this crucial moment that we're in in our study of the book of Galatians. This crucial idea. This missing link. You ever think people in your life, people, Christians you see on TV or read, you think, how can they believe that and do that? You ever think that about yourself? You think, how can I do this when I believe this? There's a linkage missing, right? There's a gap. There's a problem. The critical missing link is freedom. Freedom is something that happens in us, the gospel happens to us. Love happens through us, but freedom happens in us. The gospel is given for us. Jesus is given for us, and, and, and good works are given from us, but freedom is something that is formed in our hearts and minds. The gospel faith must set us free for it to produce love. The gospel must set us free if it's going to produce love. Why do I believe these things but do these things? Why do they do this stuff when they say they believe this stuff? It's because they have not been set free by the gospel. Has the gospel set you free? That's what I want you to reflect on this morning. This is, the, this is really the battleground of the book of Galatians. If we go back to chapter 2, chapter two verses 4 and 5, you see kind of the occasion, the story Paul's telling here uh, uh, that really sets the stage for the issue of the book of Galatians. In Galatians 2, 4, Paul says, "...because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus." This is the critical point of weakness. You're going to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. And so in the book of Galatians, there's this this extraordinary argument being built that all leads to chapter 5, verse 1. So for freedom, Christ has set you free, do not submit again, but stand firm. Here, I think, is the logic of this. If we're not free in Christ, we won't follow Christ. If we're not free in Christ, we won't follow Christ. Because right, if, if you're a Christian and you think, well, I'm glad I got out of hell or whatever, right, but, but I don't think I'm free, what are you going to focus your time and energy on? right? If you don't think you're free, what are you going to focus your time and energy on? You're going to focus on getting free. But now you already think Jesus has done some stuff for you, but he's not going to help you with that, I guess, because he didn't do it. So now you're off on your own trying to get free. Right? This is that I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. That, that baton passing moment between what we believe and are we going to build the beautiful new creation community together? Is our faith going to produce love? And there's this moment. And freedom is that that, that weak moment where there's a a little bit of fragility in this experience. And if we don't, if we're not, if it's not faith working freedom in us and then producing love from us, then you know what you're going to get. And some of you have lived here for a while and some of you know people here. You're going to get a Christian who is afraid and is willing to comply. You're going to be living out of fear And you're going to pursue compliance. That's a very different Christian experience. That's a very different community that's formed when you have a bunch of people trying to comply because they're afraid. But we want to love because we have faith that has set us free. It's the difference between the beautiful new creation and North Korea, right? North Korea is a place of fear and compliance and what the Spirit is trying to birth in us and through us is very different. How's this freedom going to appear in us? This is what Jesus says in John 8. So John 8.36 36 is, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. John 8.31, He explains this. He says, if you abide in My Word, then you are truly learning from Me. And you will know the truth And the truth will set you free. There's a correspondence here. The Son will set you free indeed as you learn the truth about Him from Him. There's a correspondence between the truth and our freedom. And what I want to convey to you this morning, we do not have time to explore this in detail. I feel that this is probably something Paul talked a lot about with the Galatians because he didn't talk a lot about it in the book of Galatians. So I feel like we're, 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 we're reflecting theologically on something this morning. We're pushing into where Paul gets this idea that they should be set free from, from the gospel. But how? Each part of the gospel is meant to free us. And we will experience that freedom. We need to experience that freedom for our faith to become love. We have to experience that freedom. Have you been set free by the gospel? You have in God's mind. But the battleground of Galatia is Christians who've been set free by Christ going back into slavery and living like slaves rather than living like free people. And if we're not living like free people, then what's going to come from our lives is compliance and all sorts of other nasty Christian habits instead of love. So we must be free. Now, here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to walk you through just, we're just, I'm just skipping a rock off the surface of this thing, okay? So I want you to know there's a lot of depth here that we're not even going to even glance at. But we're going to go to, to three sweet gospel places in the book of Galatians that we've studied already. And I'm just going to guide us in reflecting on what is the freeing effect of that truth. We're looking at truth and we're going to, we're going to reflect on what is the freeing effect. Of that truth. Now we're just going to look at three little truths. We could do a lot more with this. I had six or seven lined up. I fleshed out four of them and I cut one of them. So we're just going to look at three of them this morning. You're welcome. But there's a lot more work to do here. And I don't want to stop with this. I don't want you to stop with just this sermon because there's things that you're not free of. Right? There's things that you're enslaved to, and you are enslaved to those things because you have not understood the truth. I'm preaching before I'm preaching. It's, it's, here's our first freedom. Look with me at Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. This is the first statement of the gospel in the book of Galatians. Paul says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Who gave Himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever, Amen. So this is an extensive, if brief. There's there's five, four, five, six different ideas here, but we're just going to take this one, easy, basic, verse four. Jesus gave Himself for our sins. Jesus gave Himself. For our sins. This same idea Paul brings up again in chapter 2, where he says, uh, We have been crucified with Christ. And then at the end of that verse, he says, We're going to live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. He gave himself for our sins. This is, we're going to look at the freedom here of an all knowing, he knows our sins, yet still all giving love. The truth here is that Christ knows all your sins, and yet he loves you with a an all-giving love. He's not withholding anything because he knows everything about you. He's giving everything, though he knows everything about you. Now, this has a freeing effect. And this freeing effect is absolutely necessary. You must be freed by this. If we don't think that we have this kind of love, how are we going to live? We're going to live by image management. We're going to uh, reveal some things, but hide other things. We're going to try to make sure that in some places, with some people, we do some things and don't do some things. And with other people, we're going to don't do some things and do these other things. We're going to try to manage and manipulate these things. And you can get a lot of favor and accolades and pleasant relationships from that, but it's not going to be this kind of love. And lingering through it all and hanging over it all is going to be this kind of fragility and fear. What's the question, right? What if they find out? What if they find out? But since we have this, since we have this truth, we have this love, here's the freeing effect. We never, ever, ever need to fear rejection. You never, ever have to feel like God is rejecting you, pushing you away, setting you aside because you have said, done, thought something, or failed to say, do something. You know that friend? I hope you have a friend that you can say just about anything to. I hope you have a friend like that. You can say crazy things when you're upset, you're frustrated, I hope you have a friend like that. If you have a friend like that, that's a real blessing. But what this is talking about is something, an order of magnitude higher and greater than that. Because I've been blessed with some great friends. I've got friends that I've had since kindergarten. They stood in my wedding with me. We keep in touch. I've got great old friends. But there are things I could say or things that I could do that would nuke those friendships. But when Jesus gave himself for you, he already knew everything. There's nothing you can say or do that's going to be like shocking. Because everything that you say or do or think that's shocking is why he did what he did. But now Paul wrote the book of Galatians because this is still a battleground for Christians. This is a central, basic, first truth out of his mouth kind of a thing, and this is still a battleground for us. Right? This is still something that some of us are experiencing slavery instead of freedom around. Right? Do you ever, do you ever hear this in your head or do you ever hear this from people in your life? Well, well, but but Christ doesn't love your sin. I'm gonna. I'm gonna Provide you with an airtight sequence of logical, feel like theologically true statements, right? Christ, Christ doesn't love your sin. Mm. Okay, so maybe if I change, maybe if I stop sinning, then He'll love me more, right? Well, that feels right, but it's a denial of this. It feels right. But it's wrong. And so Christians go back into this insecure relationship with God. We go back into a sense of having to manage ourselves before God. You're you're managing your image in relation to the one who can see all things. And so what we end up doing is we get into that, uh, remember that Pharisee tax collector story Jesus tells where these two guys, a Pharisee and a tax collector, walk into a synagogue. And the Pharisee walks all the way to the front. Right? And he says, oh God, thank you so much that I'm so much better than that guy. Right? You've got to manage your image by comparison, by judgment, by tribing up with people, and we all stand around and go, we're so great. And you've got to do that, but you're enslaved to this thing that you shouldn't be enslaved to. And so Paul says, stand firm in this freedom. Here's how, I'm going to give you a suggestion. This is not like from Sinai, but this is the theological reflection I'm doing, this is what seems to me to be what it would take to stand firm in this truth, is to practice radical acceptance. What you are is known to God. What you are is known to God. Might not be your favorite thing? OK. But you are completely known, and you are completely loved. And to, to know that and to accept it is to be free. And so that's one freedom that we get from one truth of the gospel. Now, here's another. Let's look at uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians two twenty, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Uh, so this is the freedom of being killed with Christ. I'm going to give you talk about, reflect on the, the freedom of being killed with Christ. And this is a little bit of a cheat. I kind of get two truths here for one. Um, but I get two. I get to do that. Here's the truth. The truth of what it means to be crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ means that Jesus' cross means that I am a much worse sinner than I was afraid I was. I'm a much worse sinner than I thought I was. That's the first truth. And the second is that my whole self, my I, everything that is in me, has been atoned for, has been washed away by the sacrifice of Christ in my place. I deserve that, and everything in me, which is everything in me that deserves that, has been forgiven. So it's an inseparable two-for-one here. <laughs> truth of the Gospel. Now this has this, this freeing effect, a freeing effect that we must feel. It's necessary to be freed by this truth because if we don't have this assurance then we, we cultivate an idea of ourselves which is just a fiction. Oh, I would never. You would never. Roll the tape, right? You would never. You've got a fiction, and it's useful, right? I, I appreciate your fictions. You know, they, <laughs> fictions, our fictions about ourselves are useful, and they become valued by people, and, and they become a big part of us maintaining our sense of stability. But they're ultimately fragile, because they're fictions. And so they have to be, because they're fragile, they have to be defended. Right? The Bible says don't lie. You know why the Bible says don't lie? It says don't lie because every lie that you toss out there enslaves you. Because now you've got to manage these lies. You've got to manage them. They're up in the air. You've got to pay attention to these, these falsehoods about who you really are. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter who suffers along the way. You've got to defend these things. Whether you have to fight to protect them, whether you have to run away and break relationships in order to protect them, you cannot risk the threat of being exposed. Right? They cannot know. And so there, there can't be forgiveness for a thing that cannot be known. And so you cannot be free. But since we have this truth, since we have been crucified with Christ, we never need to carry shame or clean up our messes. In the eyes of God, we never need to carry shame or clean up our, our messes. In the cross, friends, here's, here's, how this, here's how this works. In the cross, I am fully exposed. Let me explain what that means. It's like, I'm a good guy, right? You guys know me. I'm a pretty good guy. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm, I'm fine. As you got to know me more, if you could access the full archive, every single one of you at some point would say, put them on the cross. That's what the cross means for me. I do a really good job of keeping it together. I do a really good job by the grace of God, by the spirit of God, in those things not being the defining features of my life. But if you could roll the tape, every one of you at some point would say, "Put him on the cross. Away with him." <laughs> That's what I am crucified with Christ means. For every single one of us. I am fully exposed. But what does the cross mean? I'm fully forgiven. And to know this truth and to accept it as true for us is to live freed. The Apostle Paul is a great example of this. I mean, reflect for a moment on his story. right? His whole life energy for his whole life Upbringing and young adulthood was to, was to glorify God by extinguishing the little flame of the, the life of Christ and the followers of Jesus in those early days. He set out, he participated in murder, he set out to enslave them, put them in prison, get rid of them. Right? He was, he was enemy number one of Jesus and his people. Now, listen to what he says a few decades later when he writes to the church at Corinth. He says, It doesn't bother me if you judge me or if any court or human court judges me. I don't even judge myself. How can he go from that to that? Because he's been set free. Because he was crucified with Christ. Now this is a truth that we love, but this is still a battleground for Christians. Right? There are some Christians who are still experiencing slavery around this topic rather than freedom. You know, you got this voice in your head? Do you hear this sometimes? Hey, Jesus died for you. That means every time you sin, you are pouring fresh shame. That's fresh shame. That's you're dishonoring Jesus. How could you? And so you feel then the need to cover that up. You need to wash it off. You need to atone for what you've done. You need to you need to somehow make compensation for this injustice that you've, you've done against your crucified Lord. And man, I'll tell you what, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? But it denies the gospel. It denies the gospel. Makes sense? Denies what Jesus did. So stand firm in the freedom of what Jesus has done for you in this way. Practice radical confessions. And I tell you, i got a two for one, so I put a plural here. Practice radical confessions. Radical confessions. First of all, you see Jesus' cross. Right? Who did that? I did that. Who did this? The broken body, the shed blood. Who did that? I did that. I did that. Yes, I did that. But listen, here's the second confession. You've got to confess this too. Listen. But Jesus did this for me. I did that, but Jesus did this for me. So that's another truth of the gospel, producing a freedom that can set us free. And how do you you know how do you feel after you reflect on these things, right? You you immediately I feel like I immediately begin to think the Spirit brings to mind people that I think. I've had, I've had something against them. I've held a grudge against them. I've withheld something from them. And then I think about this, and I think about what Jesus has really done for me, and, and I go, oh, I'm just going to love them. I don't care. Right? It, it immediately begins to sprout real love out of the freedom of the gospel. Here's the last one we're going to look at this morning, the last freedom, the freedom of having it all. Wouldn't you like to have it all? Friends, let's look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul says, In Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles that's us, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. We receive the Spirit through faith. Christ has given you the promised Spirit of God simply because you believed in Him. You have the promised spirit of God. I remember 20 years ago, I had this, uh, I shared an office with this really techie, nerdy guy. And he was always reading like techie, nerdy science things. And he was telling me about how they were, I think this is in the early days of 3D printing and, and stuff. They, they were coming up with machines that could like, you could just program what you wanted into it. And someday like it would be, like you'd say hamburger and it would put out a hamburger. You know, not a hard white plastic hamburger, but like a real hamburger. We could, we could put on all the essential stuff and you get a hamburger. You could, you could type in skateboard and now you'd pull a skateboard. Like someday there's going to be this kind of black. And he said, or you could type in create another box. And you pull out another black box and you could start. And he was just like, What? Do you know where everything in the world came from? Everything came from the Spirit of God. Here you go. Everything came from the Spirit of God. And you have the Spirit of God. This is why when Paul says in chapter, in chapter 4, verse 2, when he says that as heirs, we are now owners of everything, I don't think that's an exaggeration. Because we have this relationship with the Spirit of God. And, and this truth is going to now have a natural freeing effect that is necessary. Hey, if, you don't, if this truth is not landed on you and set you free, you're going to constantly be trying to please God. You're going to try, constantly trying to please God, figure out, crack the code, so that you can get more of the stuff that you want. You're going to constantly be enslaved to a sense of scarcity. Look at those people. They have that and I don't have that. I, how do I get that? You're never going to feel like you have enough when you have everything. But since we have this truth, since this is true for us, we never need to wonder, is there more out there that I'm not getting from God? We never have to worry, am I doing enough? To get it, we never have to work for this. We are the owner of everything. Remember I I talked about the story of the prodigal son, the good son? Right, so the prodigal son is bad. He comes back, the the dad throws a big party, and the good son's out in the field. And the good son won't come into the party. He won't come into the beautiful new creation community. He's standing out there. Why? He says, because I've worked for you all this time, and you haven't even given me a goat. A goat? A goat? I've been working for you all this time and you haven't given me a goat. And what does the dad dad say? He says, Son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Talking about goat with me, you're the owner of everything. Now this is a fundamental truth that Paul is trying to convince the Galatians of because it's still a battleground for Christians. Right, Adam and Eve, Exhibit A. They're literally in the best place that's ever been, walking around the literal Garden of Eden. And Satan comes up, and what's his play? Remember, he kind of weasels around a little bit, and then he says, oh, God doesn't want you to eat that, because he knows that on the day that you eat that, you'll be like him. And then we even go, we wondered. We were thinking there might be more out there for us than God has given to us. We wondered about that. Tell us what we need to do to get it. And then, here we are. We can still slip back into slavery. Thinking that, that some sort of power or, or, or thing can come to us from God by the Spirit if we just, we just have to f- learn the right formula. And so we're wondering, worrying, working for more. We're not getting what we could because maybe I'm not doing all that I can. But Jesus did all that was necessary and has given you all that you need. So stand firm in this freedom. Lastly, practice radical gratitude. Radical gratitude. This is what uh, Paul talks about in several places where he says, In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. This, is a, this has become a fundamental principle of my theological understanding of all things. In everything, give thanks. Because you know why? Because everything is grace. Grace. Everything is grace. If the goal of our life in Christ is more Christ in our life, then everything in our lives is there for Christ to become more precious to us, more prominent in our minds and hearts and lives, to draw us closer to him and his mind and heart and life. And to know this big truth that we have the Spirit of God in our lives, To know this and to accept it is to be freed. At the end of the book of Galatians, Paul says, nothing matters except faith working through love. Nothing matters except the beautiful new creation community. And so, friends, we must be free. We must be free. Jesus Christ came so that we might be free indeed. And I want, you, I want to send you out this morning in a different way. I want you to go reflect on your troubles. I want you to reflect on the gospel. I want you to reflect on freedom. Because every part of the gospel is meant to set us free. And we need to feel that freedom for our faith in God to become love for others. But there's more to this, right? We, we want to be free. Doggone it. We want to be free. How do we get free, Jesus? Jesus. If you abide in my word, you are truly learning from me and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There is no freedom outside of Jesus Christ and there's no experience of freedom apart from these truths that he has given us. And So as we come to know them and accept them, we will know our freedom truly. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the gospel word and all that Jesus did and what that means for us. And Lord, we, we believe the gospel and then so quickly, having been begun by the Spirit, we just go out and try to be perfected by the flesh. We, we hear the gospel, but it hasn't set us free but it was for freedom that Jesus set us free. And so, Holy Spirit, would you help us to stand firm in these truths? And would you build in our lives and in our hearts a, a reflective reflex where we hear the truth of the gospel and we think about its implications for setting us free? As Jesus says in Luke, pay, pay attention to how you hear. Or do we want to listen well and be set free by these truths so that your spirit can, can work in our lives, in our hearts, and through us. We see this now, Lord. We see it. And so we, we ask that you would protect this word and that this, these truths would dwell in us richly today. In Jesus' name, amen.